Hey, it's Toronto Today. It's 12.01. Thank you so much for being with us. Maybe you're on the radio, TSN 1050. Maybe you're on the TSN app. You're at tsn1050.ca. Maybe you're on the iHeartRadio app. However you've gotten us, we appreciate you being with us. 28 degrees and partly cloudy in Toronto as it continues to burn us up. The Ray Emery News from Hamilton. So incredibly sad. If you haven't, please do go to tsn.ca and read Ian Mendez's piece on Emery, a guy who Senators fans will not forget anytime soon. The backstop in that run to the Stanley Cup final in 2007 and then just gone. in two thousand, Just disappeared from the roster in 2008, essentially. Injury. Martin Gerber comes in and, and takes the job over and commanding presence. And, and that was it. Uh, just a terrible tragedy at the age of 35. Just awful, awful news from Hamilton over the weekend. The Kevin Pillar news, the sternoclavicular joint injury, four to six weeks. Fortunately, one of those will be, as, as you heard from Tristan, over the All-Star break, so that is great. Uh, news from the NFL, Adam Schefter saying that he would not be surprised if Pittsburgh Steelers running back Le'Veon Bell sits out half the year. The fantasy alert siren goes off. Bell looking for a contract. He's eligible for a franchise tag of $14.5 million. He wants that on an annual basis, apparently, for a long-term contract. One downside, he's a running back in the NFL in 2018. One upside for him, he had 85 receptions last year. Is there a more fun running back to watch than Le'Veon Bell in the NFL? When he takes the ball deep in the backfield and then just kind of waits and hops around, doing a little dance, waiting for the hole, and then bams through the hole so fast. When you think of the three lead offensive weapons on that team, Ben Roethlisberger, Antonio Brown, and Le'Veon Bell. Man, Pittsburgh should run the North again, but what do you do without Bell half the season if he does it? And if you're Bell, can you really pass on a franchise tag of $14.5 million, sit out eight games, Giving up game checks of like eight hundred fifty grand, really long term as a running back in the NFL. I don't know how long that lasts, but they have until four o'clock today to get something solved. Hopefully, they will. In football news as well, Toronto Argonauts finding out over the weekend Dylan Wynn would be suspended for one game. If you haven't seen many Argos games, Dylan Wynn, defensive tackle, amazing talent, fantastic season. Last year, he had like the third most quarterback pressures of any defensive tackle. He's a tremendous young player. And unfortunately, just the most brutal and inexcusable shot. C.J. Gable, the Eskimos running back, had been hit, was going down. looked like Gable might have been unconscious or, if you will, a brownout, if you're an always sunny in Philadelphia fan, on the way down. And as he's on the ground, wind just goes right for his head with his helmet and just drills him. Gable had to be helped off. It when you saw it the first time you thought that dude's getting fined. When you saw it the second and third and fourth time it kind of it made you a little sick to your stomach, right? Because football in 2018 is not football in 1998. And so hopefully Gable is okay. We'll see what happens with concussion protocol for him. Uh, but Wynn, not a guy with a track record like this at all. I, I had to go back and look. He took two roughness penalties all of last year, so certainly not his M.O., and I think the one-game suspension reflects that when people were calling for his head. And, you know, I, I say head, and I don't mean that in the way that it came out, but wanted two games or more. So fortunately for Wynn, only a one-game suspension. Unfortunately for the Argos, they go into the next game without Dylan Wynn.
1205. Happy to bring on former NHLer and the founder of Smile Zone, Adam Graves. Adam, thanks for being with us on Toronto today. Oh, please. My pleasure. Great to be with you. I have to ask you, of the cities that you uh, you have plied your trade in, I'm going to force you to say you would live in one of these cities for the rest of your life. You have to pick from Windsor, Adirondack, or San Jose. Which one would it be? Oh, boy. Um, in the summer, uh, I would say uh, in, in, in the summer uh, in uh, Adirondack uh, with uh, in Glens Falls, just terrific Lake George. Um, I would say in the fall in uh, Windsor with family because I still have a bunch of uh, extended family there. Nice. And then San Jose in the winter. How does that sound? Is that politically correct? Well, I, <laughs> I, I guess if I had you know former hockey player money and former NHL or New York Ranger money, I might be able to pull that off. But you would you would advocate for all three cities. I've I've visited Windsor. Uh, it was on the way to Detroit, so I didn't see too much of it. But the the Adirondack is a place I should go. You're saying. Oh, it's outstanding. And some of the, 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 the most fun I've ever had in hockey was in uh, Glens Falls. Uh, Bill Danino is our coach, just a tremendous uh, coach and someone that brought the players together. And I was a young guy at the time and uh, was lucky enough to win a Calder Cup there. It was just tremendous. And, and uh, that Lake George is just beautiful, beautiful part of uh, the United States. Very nice. I like that very much. You're the founder of Smile Zone. We'll talk about that in a moment because I think I I didn't know it existed, and I think it is it is a tremendous project that you are. Uh, I mean, the lead of involved in it's tremendous. But I want to talk some some hockey with you, if you will. You uh, working for the Rangers? You shared a city with John Tavares for the last few years. What what do you think of of Tavares and Tavares coming to the Leafs? Well, uh, uh, certainly uh, when you think of the Toronto Maple Leafs and you think of their leadership, uh, and I was fortunate enough as a kid to grow up with uh, with Shanny and, and uh, played together, played against each other uh, for many years in junior, and then obviously in pro, uh, have nothing but respect for um, you know what he's done on the ice, and equally as important that what he's done 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 off the ice and and, uh, and and I think when you, you speak of someone that's a champion like that they surround themselves with, with great people and Mike Babcock is arguably one of the the, the, the great uh, great coaches of all time and and then they built it through the draft and when you do that and you're patient and then you can add uh, you know uh, uh, players of, of that ilk uh, as, as 91 is it uh, um, it's going to be some exciting hockey moving forward for for, for the Toronto Maple Leafs Tavares is one of the few big, big-time hockey free agents to actually leave his city to go to a new city. Why do you think that is? Why don't? Why do guys? Why does Stamkos, you know, stay in Tampa Bay? Why do guys tend to stay with the club that that brought them up? Well, certainly, I can't just because I'm with the range. I can't speak specifically to you guys, but I will tell you that uh, just the mentality of hockey players, I guess, is what we're going for. Thank you. When when you have the 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 opportunity to to uh, have a a, a player of of that ilk, and he can have that kind of impact, um, you know, in in a in a cap system, when you have that uh, uh, type of opportunity, and you can build around guys like that, and and I think you see it down with Stevie Y, the job he's done, and he's built it around a, a core. You're seeing it in Toronto. You saw it in Chicago. You saw it in LA with, with uh, you know, with, with, with Doughty. Uh, I think uh, any uh, team that's had great success, you, you look in Washington, the success they had last year, and and it was the organic growth of some of their young guys, you know, with uh, Wilson and Kuznetsov. So um, you look around the league, and, and if you can you know, get that core and so you know and, and, and continue to build organically, and then add. Uh, an impact player like that. I mean, it's 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 it makes for a special team and a team that people want to watch. For 
a sport. I don't know how closely you follow the NBA, but but free agents will will move all the time. LeBron goes from Cleveland to Miami to Cleveland to now the Lakers. It doesn't seem that the, the player movement. They don't feel like they're compelled to stay with their team. Like they seem to in hockey. Is there something about hockey players? Is there something about Canadians that makes me go, hey, I I, I should stay with this this club. Rick Nash should I should always be in Columbus. That kind of thing. Well, and, and I, I, I brought up another name, and I apologize for that. But no, something no, about no. the mentality know, of hockey players. And, and, and he's a free agent, and I know. Oh, uh, I, and I've got to know Rick. Uh, I blew it. You, t- you talk about class. Um, just a, a classy, classy man. Um, he's had great success for a reason. But that's for me. That's the, the thing I'm probably proudest of uh, uh, being in hockey. And I love the game as much as anyone. But I, the thing I love more than the game itself is the people you meet along the way. And, and I like to think that uh, hockey is a, not just at the NHL level. I think at every level. My daughter's played uh, in, in, in Oakville with the uh, uh, the Hornets. Uh, my wife uh, uh, plays plays hockey. The people are just genuine. They're honest. They're humble. And, and that's the part of the game that I love the most. And, and therefore, very loyal. And, and maybe that's why you, you don't see uh, you know maybe the movement that you, you, you would. But uh, uh, it's an exciting time. Uh, anytime there is a little bit of movement, certainly when when you feel like it's uh, an impactful movement that is going to make a difference in either uh, you know in, in a in a division or a conference or or you know when it when it comes to the top uh, contenders in, in the in the National Hockey League. Former NHL Adam Graves joining us on Toronto today at eleven minutes after twelve o'clock. Was that was was coming home when you had decisions like that to make as a player? Where did that lay in it for you? You never, I mean, you never did come you know come to play for the Leafs, but where did that kind of factor in the decision making for you? Well, certainly. You know the, the players are younger with the current CBA when then they become available. Not too many players do because teams are locking teams or players up uh, earlier. Uh, but back when I I played and I retired back in '03, uh, when you did have that opportunity as free agent, I, I had it once uh, when I was uh, probably about 32, 33. Uh, again, uh, the way I played, I was certainly uh, you know in my later years. Um, I chose to re-sign with the Rangers, and I was lucky uh, to do that because I had played there for 10 years and, and loved it and had been given great opportunity and, and, and whatnot. But again, with the CBA being different, uh, the cap system and uh, you know players becoming available as unrestricted now at 27, 28, uh, it was a different system, a system that I didn't, I didn't play under. But at the same time, uh, I'm not so sure, uh, you know, uh, especially if I had the opportunity to do it again, I wouldn't want to. I love New York. I mean, I, I always say this, I bleed blue, ranger blue. So, It would be a good city to have, say, eight years and 70, $88 million or whatever. It would it'd be great to make eight figures and live in New York City, I would imagine. Oh, man. Yes, well, it's, it's a great city. I, and, and playing at uh, Madison Square Garden, where, yeah. where we did the world's most famous arena, and um, uh, some of the best restaurants, as you know, and entertainment and everything else, you get. Uh, you certainly have to pinch yourself uh, every day you, you wake up. And I say that because uh, anytime you get to put a hockey stick in your hand, you get to do that for a living. You're very, very, very fortunate. And, and I think you have to respect that fact. Uh, Adam, currently in prospect development with the Rangers, uh, forgive me if I pronounce his name wrong, Leas Anderson? Yes. The young man, he he got in he got in Twitter trouble for oh the the medal at the World Juniors, which just blew my hair back that people cared that this super competitive kid was disappointed with not winning. Tell me what kind of prospect he is for you. What kind of kid he is for the for the Rangers? Well, he's an incredibly uh, competitive young man, uh, and he wore the C for for Sweden for a reason. And, and uh, uh, you know, people would say, obviously, anytime a medal goes into the stands. Um, you know, you, you, you notice it, but I, but I think he's a, a really well-intentioned character kid, 
loves to win. Um, we were very fortunate to, to, to be able to, to draft him last year, as, as well as uh, Hito, who was our, our uh, other first-round pick last year. And then this year we had three first-round picks uh, uh, in, in, the, in the first round. And, and for us, we're at a different stage uh, you know, this year after moving uh, Rick Nash uh, at the deadline. And, of course, our captain, Ryan, Ryan McDonough and, and uh, JT Miller, uh, and having 10 picks in the you know, seven-round draft. We're at a stage where we're trying to develop these young guys, put them in an environment to, to succeed. When you have character young kids like uh, Anderson, uh, you know, it, it makes it so much easier on the development side. And he, he's a kid that's it's going to find a way to have an impact on a game every night because he's just so hungry. Did the medal incident, if I'm to put that word in quotations, do anything for you guys? Did it Was it a teaching point? What, what did you guys take from it? As well, a club. I, I think yeah, I think obviously it, uh, on a stage like that there is going to be there there there, there, there is going to be uh, you know some some negative uh, uh, feedback but uh, I think like anything else he's, he's a competitive he's he's a, he's a great character kid um, and 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 that's part of life right uh, you, you you go through different journeys and, and you experience different things and and and, and certainly in a, in a tournament like that. Um, you know, it, it's 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 going to draw draw a little bit of an ire. Um, uh, you know, when, when when you see that, but I but I think when you get to sit down with the kid and you understand just how competitive he is, I I, I don't think it's something that it was a mean spirited thing, but it's it's one of those things that uh, you know, and and uh, you know, you, you, for for young kids, you have to you know make sure that they know that uh, you know you, you you can't always do that. But uh, love the kid, and he's uh, just a character kid. I I couldn't get over Twitter disbelief that. It's- Someone would be disappointed with not achieving the ultimate success at a tournament like that and just setting the, the world on fire. It was un, I couldn't believe the reaction to it. I still don't get it. Uh, yeah, uh, unfathomable. Uh, let me ask you, Adam Graves, the founder of Smile Zone, why we're bringing you on today. This, I thought, was a tremendous idea, and I'm glad you thought of it many, many years ago because I, I go onto the Smile Zone website and see that you have... Just, I mean, a couple dozen of these of the places in and across Ontario. They're, what Smile Zone is, warm, safe, accessible space for kids in hospital. Why did you want to get involved in something like this? What, was, what brought you to it? Well, one of the great privileges of being an athlete is you go to hospitals and you get to meet uh, with kids and maybe kids that either a either know that you're a player or or maybe you just bring attention to uh, you know what they're battling on a daily basis. And for us, with smiles, and we just want to put fun areas in hospitals and rehabilitation centers for kids to to maybe take a break from their their everyday battles and struggles. And and, and certainly uh, back in 2012, uh, uh, our family and the Backley family were approached. Uh, with the Oakville Hospital, we said, "Well, why not? Uh, if we can do it in Oakville, why not uh, do it throughout uh, uh, Ontario? Maybe one day across on, uh, you know, across Canada, and maybe going to some of the smaller centers that might not, might not otherwise get the uh, the opportunity to put in an area where where, where kids can truly benefit, and, and not just the kids that are are there for treatment or or trying to overcome a, you know, a, a an illness, but for their siblings, their brothers, their sisters, their moms, their dads, and and, and allow them a little reprieve and a break in in, in their everyday struggles." So. For us, it's it's a it's a privilege. Uh, we're up to 180 zones uh, in, in Ontario now, and and without the great support that we've had from uh, the community of, of Canada, Ontario, and and certainly uh, uh, on days like today, the, the 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 hockey and football and entertainment community. Uh, it makes it a special day. We're out here playing playing golf. I might add, I'm not playing very well, and my teammates are probably uh, not happy that they have to play with me. But uh, it's it's just a fabulous day.
Yeah, but what have they done for charity? You've 180 smile zones. That that should get yeah. you at least uh, every 10 smile zones. You take off one stroke a hole. Yeah, so, I'll need I'll, I'll I'll need to take off more than one stroke. I will tell you that. <laughs> uh, that is tremendous because I mean, I don't have kids, but uh, to a to a kid, hospital must could just be terrifying, especially for like oh, I have to be here for two weeks. Just terrifying the prospect of being in the hospital, and that you're you're doing something to to help make it feel more homey or just feel nicer. I think is is a tremendous idea. Well, we're 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 in a position, and and, and many people can say that uh, you're in a position to make a, a, a small difference, and if you can, um, it, it enriches the lives of others, but it also enriches your lives because you get to meet these wonderful young people, and and you can learn so much from. From, from people of all ages, and, and that's, that's the, the great part. It's the journey, it, it's the people, and it's a celebration of the humility of, of being Canadian, and, and certainly hockey would be included in that. Well, and that's one of the great truisms. By giving, you get something in return, right? It's not monetary, but you get something 100%. in return. It's called living, and, yeah. and to the fullest, so yeah, very fortunate. That is outstanding. A former NHL, the founder of Smile Zone, Adam Graves. Thanks so much, Adam. Very much appreciate your time. Hey, you are the best. I appreciate it. Have a fantastic day, and I'll, I'll, I'll try not to uh, score too high. You Remember, so you get 18 strokes, one for every 10 smile zones, so 18 strokes. I'll, I'll pass that along. Thank you. <laughs> yeah, <they're not> <laughs> Adam Graves, thank, thank you so much here on uh, Toronto Today. That is, that is tremendous. It, it, when you get, to, you get to my age, you get to be in your 40s, you start to think, well, what, what am I actually doing to make the world around me better? I for me, I go on TV and I make fart jokes. Like, that's, that's my job. I, I make fart jokes. I come on the radio. I make fart jokes. Landsberg goes, I can't believe you made a fart joke on my show. I said, Landsberg, it's, come on, that's what I do. I've had no sleep. Uh, so it's just, you look for ways to give back and that you, you identify something. And we may not, I, I don't have kids, so I don't think of, you know, kids in hospital. But, but bless Adam Graves and his partners for, for doing that. That is tremendous. Uh, smile zones at hospitals near you. I was looking, 180, Scarborough Rouge, Sunnybrook, Thunder Bay, Ottawa, Perry Sound, all over the place. Uh, tremendous, tremendous what they're doing. 1219, about 10 minutes from now, we'll have one of my favorite, basically the most influential soccer voice in my entire life, Bobby McMahon. Writes for Forbes.com, has a terrific podcast called Soccer Report Extra. We'll talk more about the World Cup, the future of, of football. That those three people or whatever rush the field, they're, they're, they're certainly gone. Putin took care of them before he's taking care of President Trump right now. And plenty more to talk about on Toronto today. Where do we go from here? I've got a million, I've got a million things I want to talk about. Join me for a second, Keith Bauer. Did you watch any of Wimbledon? Did you watch any Wimbledon Djokovic wins again? Not a whole lot. I was actually gone camping for the weekend, so there wasn't uh, not much in the way of uh, TVs out there. I can't leave my TV for that long. How can you do that? That is, I'm, I'm addicted. Uh, you know, when you're with, with the right co- company, good group of people, some, uh, some alcoholic beverages. No, but you know, beautiful beach, beautiful spot. So no, I was uh, I was away from the TV most of the weekend. So I'm watching I'm watching Wimbledon, and I watch the highlights from Sports Center. And Novak Djokovic wins, and there's a point in the match where he just starts yelling at the crowd because Djokovic yells at the crowd. He plays angry. Who's the angriest playing athlete? He may not actually be an angry person, but between zero and sixty on the clock, or zero and forty eight on the clock, he just seems like he is angry. Who's who sticks out for you? Well, I think just in terms of what have you done for me lately, Marcus Stroman. I mean, you, yeah, you, you see you see the way that he just conducts himself, not, not even just off the mound as we 
heard and you know saw what happened yesterday. But on the mound, it seems like after every pitch, even if he's thrown a good pitch, he's yelling at himself about something. What is that about? Like, do you think that's do you think that's fake? Do you think that's forced? Like Michael Jordan used to say, you know, I would invent things, invent them, disrespecting me, so I would want to kill them and cut their hearts out. I do you think th- it's fake with Strowman? I actually least- think like I mean again, I, the, the fact that I'm even going to bring myself into this conversation is ridiculous. But when I was a pitcher through high school and into university. I was the kind of pitcher who, similar to Marcus Strom, would wear my emotions on my sleeve. So if I was angry at oh. something, you would know it. Can you can if, you give me some of that? You absolutely no. That's uh, so, no. I've uh, uh, I've I've, you, calm, I've calmed down a little bit. Since you're then. up three two in the fifth. What you just put a man on first with uh, with a six pitch walk, and now you've gone two and zero oh to the batter in front of you. What would you What would you say to yourself? I need some of this. Uh, I'm not going to say it on air for you, uh, for son fear of a blank. You son of a piece of. You Mother are the blank, blank, blank. Was it you hated them or you hated yourself in that moment? Um, I was probably more mad at myself, but honestly, what would get me the most upset was absolutely when my outfielder drops a fly ball, and you're just yeah. you're standing there on the mound, just looking like why, like wh- why do I, why am I the one that has to clean up your mess? <laughs> you, you just lose all all empathy for another human being when it's going on your earned run average. It's yeah, sports takes a lot from us; it gives a lot to us. Marcus Stroman plays angry. Djokovic plays. Russell Westbrook for me is the the ultimate. He you would never know from watching him play that he doesn't just go leave the stadium and start kicking puppies because he looks so mad all the time. Then he realizes, oh, he's a family guy and he stays and he's got kids and a wife in Oklahoma City and he's a really nice guy and he, his clothing choices are are not mine, obviously, but. Uh, just super angry. Djokovic, super angry, but he's harnessed that anger into 13 Grand Slam titles, which is pretty, pretty good. It is 12.23. Why don't we uh, take a little break? We'll come back on the other side, talk to Bobby McMahon of the World Cup. Uh, we'll talk about the prospects for England and, and plenty more as the World Cup wrapping up with France, a glorious 4-2 victory. And now we all wait for the first ever winter World Cup coming up in Qatar in 2022. I'm Derek Taylor. This is Trump today. The French call of the 4-1 goal by 19-year-old Kylian Mbappe, the second teenager ever to score in a World Cup final. The only other one was Pele, way back in 1958. A tremendous victory for France, 4-2 over Croatia. Joining us on the phone now, from Forbes.com, from Winnipeg, Manitoba, my old buddy, the guy who groomed me in soccer, he taught me the meaning of the phrase cock-a-hoop. I don't remember what it is now, but he said it to me live on TV, and I thought, can you really say that? And it turns out you can. Bobby McMahon, thank you for joining me, my friend. My pleasure, Ben. Great to speak to you again. Uh, cock-a-hoop. <laughs> Remind me what cock-a-hoop means, because you, you, you said somebody was cock-a-hoop about something, and I, I thought you were 
I thought it was bad. Over the moon. Over the moon. There we go. Uh, I'm gonna I'm gonna put that one in there. So you you are my guru on soccer. We have an incredible crew here, as we saw for for all 64 matches with uh, Luke Wildman and Christian Jack and Stephen Caldwell. Terry Dunfield came in. Andy Petrillo. Uh, you're the guy who grew me on soccer. As you watched the World Cup final, what was your takeaway from the final match? Um. I think, I think I don't know who said this, but I thought it summed it up very nicely. Was France were the best team in the tournament, but they weren't the best team in the final. Um, they got a couple of breaks. They got, got a couple of big breaks. Um, the, the first goal, the own goal from Mandzukic, I think it's pretty clear it wasn't a foul on uh, Griezmann um, that led to that goal. And then the penalty kick uh, that was awarded on VAR. I think it, it sort of clouded the success that VAR has been, although I think it should be stressed that VRA isn't the problem. It's the use of VAR. VAR is just a tool, and it's been a tool that I think has, has really helped the tournament. And you know from bygone days, I was very anti-technology in the game, but I've been uh, turned on this one. I've been convinced it has been the right way to go. Uh, but unfortunately, I think that decision was the wrong one. And So I think there's a certain amount of... Um, a little bit of a, not necessarily a dark cloud, but I think it will be remembered uh, for these two incidences. But overall, France were France were the best team in the tournament. But Croatia, I think, will be remembered for a tremendous effort and a final that, in many respects, uh, they had the better of the uh, the play uh, playing. Let's talk about VAR, the video assistant referee, essentially replay review. I'm almost at the point in my life where I think across every sport in every situation, just take it and burn it down. This was the first time it was consulted in a World Cup final, and it was uh, Ivan Perisic. Did he, was it a handball or not? And it ended up leading to France's 2 1 goal. In the moment, did you think it was a handball? Um, it hit his hand, yes. Was it a deliberate handball? No, I don't think it was in real time. And some of the problems. I think uh, the, the referee brought upon himself was, and, and many people have talked about this. When you when you slow something down, it's very it's it's just so different in real time. Uh, you're beginning to to judge frame by frame. You're looking at body position. You're looking at head. You're looking at his eyes. There's so many things going on, and you can come to the, the assumption very easily. I think that it was a, 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 an intentional handball, but given the position of McQueary at the near post. The fact he missed the header uh, or a deflector or whatever, but Perisic was right behind him. He had no ability to to make up his mind that I'm going to handle that ball and stop it coming across. Uh, going across me, like the hand was coming down, which is a natural position after going up for a header. Um, the, the thing with VAR and any sort of technology, Derek, and I, you know, you can talk about taking out and burning it, but the reality is the genie's out of the bottle, and you're never going to put that genie back in the bottle. So you've got to look at ways of improving the process and, 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 and improving the way the officials use it, rather than saying we're not going to use it anymore because I just don't think that's 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 going to happen. Burn it down. Burn it down. It takes the the NBA is the worst defense. And I, I don't suspect you're watching too much NBA, but they'll they'll spend three and a half minutes to oh, should we put two tenths of a second back on the clock? And, yeah. and you just go, just throw it out. But maybe like you say, more more intentional, more uh, judicious use of it is probably the way yeah. to go. Yeah, because I think generally throughout the World Cup, I think there was it was really added to it. in some ways. I, in, in many ways, it added to the tension, it added to the drama. 
Um, like I don't know about you, but every time I see a goal being scored now, I refuse to get up or down about it until it's clear that it's actually a goal. Well, that's a so problem, it's, it's, though. That's a real it problem. Is, it is, but that's I look upon that as my problem. <laughs> <laughs> investing far too much in a score. Because um, the fans don't seem to react that way. They seem to be right into it. But, um, but, the, the, but you know, the, the, throughout the competition, right from the very first decision, I think it helped a lot in terms of um, particularly around penalty kicks, clarified it. But the other thing, and I don't think we can, I, I don't think we can ignore this. Four red cards in sixty-four games. Yeah. These boys were on their best behaviour. Yeah, there was some yellow cards, and I think they went up slightly over Brazil. Um, but Brazil really uh, was a really the referees really let them play in Brazil and called very very little. But four red cards. And essentially, not really anything for, you know, the number of violent incidents were way, way down. So I think um, there's that kind of a domino effect that came in in this tournament and it cleaned it up. So I think we've got to look at, look at that as being very positive as well. Bobby McMahon, who writes for Forbes.com, you had your best 11 of the tournament and your second 11. And you said of Croatia's Luka Modric, uh, this is in print, so you can't take it back, had the, nope. had the best tournament of anybody in the last 30 years back to Maradona in 86. Defend your opinion, sir. Um, given um, Croatia's standing, you've got to put this in context, and context is always really important to us, but Croatia came within one game of not qualifying for the, the UEFA playoffs. Not a case of qualifying as, as group winner, but the playoffs. They finished behind Iceland. They had to go to Kiev. They had to get a win. They did that. They got past Croatia. They were in a group that on paper anyway was a, not an easy group. You had Nigeria. You had uh, Argentina in there. And you had Iceland, who actually finished above Croatia in the group standings in UEFA qualifying. To go through that and to go through uh, the knockout stage and Modric being so influential. Like, I, honestly, the, the amount of distance he covered, the technical, the technique he brought to, the, brought to his game, his passing, his composure, I was just, like, I honestly could have watched just an isolated camera on Modric for some of these games. I thought he was so good. I remember vividly back at 86 just being blown away with Maradona and him taking control of the games and really dragging Argentina to a World Cup win, Modric came very, very close to it. No matter what the opposition did, he found space. He, he made intelligent. He took up intelligent positions. He, he, I thought in the first half yesterday, he didn't. He had Kante and Matuidi and Pogba not really quite clear about what they were doing because he was so elusive, passing and moving, taking up positions in between markers. He was outstanding. I, I thought it was just a remarkable performance to have that kind of stamina and that technique and ability to keep on going over the seven games. I thought it was masterful. We saw him first uh, at Tottenham, and then when he left for Real Madrid, speaking of Luka Modric here, uh, yeah. I thought, really, he's going to go to Real Madrid and, and be, what, like a substitute? And, man, I, I could not have been more wrong. The guy's like... Four foot eleven and eighty-seven yeah. pounds, soaking wet, and it's amazing to me how those guys, how physical stature, so prominent in so many other sports, really can be overcome by great technical skill at soccer. I think that should be very encouraging for anybody who who loves sports or wants to play a sport. It's not about how tall or how strong or how much muscle, because little guys can do a lot of damage. 
well, the, the balance and his core strength to withstand challenges and his 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 ability to take the ball away from pressure when he's when he's when he's given a ball. If you watch Modric, he's always taken it away from the pressure. He doesn't take it into the pressure. He takes it. He shields it. He moves it on. He can play long balls. He can play short balls. He play play kind of what I call continuity balls, which is just keep the ball moving around. And then watch him, watch him, and the positions he takes up after that is constantly presenting problems to midfielders who are trying to mark him or or uh, defenders who are who are trying to stifle him. So um, his time with Real Madrid has been exceptional as well. He's fitted in there with that dynamic with Cruz and, and Casemiro has been central. Ronaldo has got the headlines at Real Madrid and Gareth Bale and et cetera, et cetera. But don't ever be fooled. That midfield has been absolutely pivotal to the success that Real Madrid have had over the last four or five years. I would be remiss, Bobby, if I did not ask you about England. They get to the final four. What, when you look at them, what are their prospects going forward? I think they've got to be encouraged, um, and are encouraged by their performance. Um, they went there with limited expectations. They got the same final, and we can talk about, well, look at the opposition. You know, they got an easy draw, blah blah blah. But you can only beat what's put in front of you, and they did that. The thing is, I think. Watching the game against Croatia, they were found out in terms of being short of some very, very important pieces. And the most important piece of the lot was a midfield player who was creative, could hold the ball. Essentially, I'm not saying Luka Modric, but a Luka Modric kind of player. That's what undid England against Croatia. They were relegated to going back to to the, the old pattern of playing long balls. And there hasn't been a lot of talk about this. I think we've sort of been disguised a little bit by, well, England have done well. I think the thing as we go forward, the most most interesting piece of it, as England go forward in further tournaments, is we'll find out whether England were outdone by just a lack of experience and perhaps a little bit of confidence, or whether they were outdone by not having the right players to play in that kind of situation. And I fear it's kind of the second one. I think they've got to go that next stage. They've got to find these find that creative element in the middle of the park because if it's that then the experience is kind of is not it's not going to be something learning from experience if you just don't have that technique so i think that's going to be really interesting they've done well but what comes after this i don't think you can necessarily draw a straight line saying young team young squad successful at at 2018 world cup therefore they will do better as they go on History is littered with examples of that just not happening. So that's going to be really interesting to watch over the next two or four years. They found a keeper in Jordan Pickford. I, oh, I, yeah. I'm in love with Gareth Southgate. He seems like, after all the managers they went through, they, he seems like just the right guy. He was tremendous. Before I let you go, Bobby, I, I need you to, to uh, tell me, those folks that ran on the pitch uh, at Putin's World Cup, they're dead now, right? They're dead? Like they're, they, they were taken out. Do you think they were dead before the game was over or just before now? I, I think that was. I, I think that's part of the Putin-Trump um, uh, talks in Helsinki. Yeah. Is they're coming up. They're, they're coming up for pun, coming up with punishments, and I think the biggest punishment is they may be forced to watch videotape of Donald Trump. Uh, maybe be married to him. I don't know. Spend five minutes with Eric. That'd be amazing. Bobby it could Mc- be worse than death. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Bobby McMahon writes for Forbes.com. The Soccer Report Extra podcast with Owen O'Callaghan and Luke Crawford is a, is a de- must-download and must-listen. Bobby, it's so great to talk to you. Thank you for uh, for the time this afternoon. 
My pleasure. Thanks, Derek. Bobby McMahon, writer for Forbes.com. If you want to know more about soccer, uh, Bobby is definitely one of the resources, one of the great treasures we have here in Canadian soccer broadcasting. It is 1243. More of Toronto Today coming up right here on TSN 1050. 1248 on Toronto Today. Derek Taylor with you. News from the Calgary Flames. They have signed forward Elias Lindholm to a six-year, $29.1 million contract acquired from Carolina. They lock him down to a six-year deal. And Kristen Shilton, our TSN 1050 Leafs reporter, pointing out that today is the day that former Leafs GM, assistant GM, pardon me, Mark Hunter, is now free to go work for somebody else. So we watch and say, oh, is he going to go to the New York Islanders? Is he going to rejoin Lou Lamarillo? Mark Hunter free to find another job. So we'll be watching that as the day and, you know, the week and, and whatever goes along. We were talking earlier on the show about John Tavares. We obviously have been talking a lot about John Tavares this month since he joined the Toronto Maple Leafs. And we were talking about the fact that the Leafs do not currently have a captain. And perhaps Tavares is captain material. Perhaps Austin Matthews is captain material. Do you go off the board? Do you give it to, to Morgan Riley? Who, uh, you could do anything. They don't have a captain. Just pick a captain. Just pick one so we can stop talking about it because it's the Leafs and we're going to talk about it uh, until the cows come home or until you pick one. Rick Vive, Leafs legend, was on uh, the breakfast show with uh, Landsberg in the morning. And he says John Tavares should be named captain immediately. No, I don't think it would be, uh, in, in my personal opinion. Um, I've already said it uh, on air uh, a while back, and, uh, of course, it was taken out of context and put in a paper and other uh, online th- things where I said that it should be done immediately. I said, in my opinion, he's got the experience. I know Johnny because he played with my son for three years with the Marlies, and uh, I don't think there's a better guy on that team suited to be the captain and he's going to push you know not just Austin but Marner and, and Nylander and all these young guys to a different level because no one works harder than Johnny at his craft day in day out uh, takes care of himself he's a very uh, mature individual uh, he's going to teach those guys a lot about what it's going to take to win and what they need to do to win and I think following him would be the best thing for these young guys moving forward. I'm glad you said that because I've been preaching that for months about John Tavares, and you're absolutely right. He's a guy who leads by example, and his his confidence and, and the way he takes care of it will just spread around that room with those young guys, and it'll be a great fit for him. What was your reaction when you heard the news that John Tavares was going to be a Maple Leaf? Oh, I screamed and yelled. I was, were you I, as just excited I, I, as all I, I of was, us were? Absolutely. I, I was so excited. I I was dubious and, and kind of, you know, is he going to come here? I don't know. He's from here. Does he want to come back? And But then once he didn't sign before the deadline Saturday. to get the the extra eight, eight uh, year to make it eight instead of seven, I thought, you know what? I, I think he's coming back here. And as soon as I heard it, I was like, I was elated. It was like, you know, I, I watched that kid when he was 13, 14, and 15, I think it was, or 12, 13, 14 play. And I have not seen, even at that age, I've never seen a guy work harder and not give up on a puck uh, like this guy does. And I can still recall the goal he scored, or he set up this year where uh, in the corner he battled and battled and then dragged it through the guy's legs yeah. and threw it across to Bailey for a goal. 
And when I when I just look at those things and the things that I saw when he was a youngster, uh, boy, oh boy, I, I'm excited. It's uh, he, he's a great, great, uh, not just a hockey player. Uh, he's a great competitor, and uh, and he learned uh, very well from his uncle John, who, mm-hmm. who right. holds every record in the National Lacrosse League, uh, and he played to, well into his 40s. So, yeah. uh, and his family, his father, was very very hardworking man, uh, great family. Um, I I, mean, I just went. I jumped up and down and said, yeah, I think too. this is the piece that we're missing to Absolutely. push everybody yeah, You know forward. what bothers me, Rick? You and I are buddies, I can tell you this, that Carlo is so enamored by you that he basically told a bit of a story there that was not true. You said that Tavares should be named captain this season, right? In my yeah, personal Yeah, of course. Of course, yes. of course. Well, who else's opinion are you going to give? So right. I'm, I'm saying you said that, and then you said, I've been saying that forever. No. Not- an hour ago. Hold on. An hour ago. I, you and I spoke, and I said, you know, would it be tough to make him the captain walking into a room where he's meeting people essentially for the first time? And you said, yeah, it would be tough for him. So you, you, why did you sell out with Rick? Well, you're wrong, Michael, because that's not what I insinuated. I insinuated the, 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 the traits that he uh, basically described John Tavares as a person. I, I'm, I don't, I mean, he, that's his own personal opinion about okay. him being the captain next year. It's not a bad choice if they decide to do it. I'm just saying the qualities that he mentioned about John Tavares, he's well, absolutely right when yeah, he says and, that. And you know what? I, I, ta- I, I go back to what you said when you said the two obvious ones. Why is it obvious? Why is it obvious that Austin Matthews uh, to be the captain? You know, I mean, that's what everybody thinks. Right. Okay. Well, this but is, so this that's is, not necessarily. Do you true. want to go there, Rick? You and I. Do you want well, to debate this? Absolutely. <laughs> okay. I, I, I debated all day with you. Okay, because, Rick. Because so I, let, I was in those shoes. Okay. Let's go, Rick. Okay. I was in those shoes. I was 22 <laughs> years old. Okay. He's 20. I was 22, and Harold Ballard came to me and said, "You're our captain." I had already been traded once, and I'm only three years into my career in the NHL and I've already been traded once and I'm like if I don't take this he's probably going to trade me more than likely which he probably would have and uh, I, I didn't want to leave Toronto so reluctantly I knew it wasn't ready I was I was still too young we had an old team uh, I needed a couple more years and I knew that but I didn't want to get traded so I took it and I struggled for a couple of years in the room with, with the older team that we had. Then we kind of transformed into a younger team, and then I was older than most of those guys, young guys, so uh, it was a, l- a lot easier. So in saying that, at, a, at 20 years old, that, that's pretty difficult. You imagine it would be. Who's, who's ready to lead you know, a group of men when you kind of want to take care of your own career and you've got your own $12.5 million a year contract to earn. Interesting thoughts from Rick Vive. That from Landsberg in the morning, every morning from 6 till 10 right here on TSN 1050. Uh, about a minute before we go, uh, Who is America debuted yesterday on the Movie Network. You absolutely must watch it if you're even remotely a fan of Sasha Baron Cohen because, one, uh, he's getting people to evaluate art he says is made with his own poop, which to me is 
funny on so many levels, but he, he starts off by zinging Bernie Sanders and making Bernie Sanders think he's nuts, and then he attacks gun nuts, and then, of course, you've seen the trailers for Sarah Palin coming up and stuff like that. It, Sasha Baron Cohen is a... I don't know how he gets to where he gets, but he is unbelievable. Before I go, I should mention, we're brought to you by Lease Busters. It is so easy to get out of your car lease at Canada's number one lease takeover marketplace, Lease Busters. Avoid penalties and early termination if you go to leasebusters.com. Elegant. Elegant is the way we end the show. Andy McNamara coming up next. He's doing the Scott MacArthur Show from 1 to 4. I'm Derek Taylor. This has been Toronto Today at TSN 1050, tsn1050.ca, and the iHeartRadio app.